0: You are listening to NFL Kickoff Live, an hour-long weekly show where Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs join me, Tanitra Batiste, to break down this week's action and biggest storylines around the NFL. You can catch us live each week from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern on your favorite Locked On NFL YouTube page. Welcome in, everybody, to NFL Kickoff Live. It is the best hour of the world talk every single Friday. We'll go around the NFL, talk about every team and every single game, and we'll get local insight. You can't get anywhere else but right here at Locked On. I am your host, Tanitra Batiste, alongside Ardrax Davis, and Kyle Krabs. Let's go straight to Thursday night football. Oh, my God, what a game out in Big D. Kyle, for me, I actually watched that game and it was one of those interesting ones where, in the beginning, Seattle definitely Geno Smith to DK Metcalf was a thing. And it was one of those situations where you thought, okay, here's the first team that Dallas has played pretty much this entire season with a winning record. And they're showing that they can actually be competitive. But of course, then there was this guy called Dak Prescott that did his thing.
1: Yeah, I think that Dak Prescott's play the last month and a half has really been one of the storylines of the season. And It's not often that you see a Dallas Cowboy player get overlooked in some of the big picture conversations, Uh, but that MVP race, Dak's looking really interesting. 20 touchdown passes over the last six games, I believe, that he has played, and uh, that's a really nice feather in your cap to have a fourth-quarter comeback against a Seattle team that maybe doesn't have the best defense, but uh, situational football down the stretch was really impressive for Dallas, and uh, I I think one of the bigger storylines for Seattle is in the midst of this gauntlet of their schedule you got your best shot out of them offensively and you feel good about about that for Seattle but the record now at six and six that NFC wild card race is constricting quite a bit this was not a game that they could have afforded to let get off the hook the way that it did and uh, I think that's the big storyline for Seattle coming out of this game.
0: Yeah, I think another storyline there, Jarvis, is sometimes you have to be very careful. You know, Pete Carroll has had his moments where he's definitely overthought himself or sometimes he has kind of gone to the well one too many times. And it was one of those things where, yeah, it worked against Deron Bland until it didn't. And I think that was one of the other storylines. Be really, really careful about playing with fire. This guy's leading the league in pick sixes. And, yeah, DK Metcalf, they they had their way initially, the wide receiver core with De'Ron Blam, but eventually you had to believe that Dan Quinn, we know Dan Quinn very, very well, and you had to believe that Dan Quinn and those Cowboys, that Cowboys D was going to figure it out.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing, right, because the way this defense is built, they're built – to have a play with a lead right because you know in that fourth quarter i as i was you know going through the as they went through the drive and, and then uh dallas kicked the field goal right there at the end of the fourth quarter it was about a minute 46 left in the game i was like yep this is michael parson's time to <laughs> yeah, joined yeah, the party yeah, too yeah. you know those are the type of things that that, those are the type. Of, I mean, I know they didn't. You know, they gave us a big play. like you said. They picked on DeRon Bland as much as they possibly could in the first half of this game. But when it comes down to, you know what, cutting time, yeah, like they have the guys to close. They have the closer in Michael Parsons. Like the way he was turning that turn, and that that tackle to where he was kind of boxing him out from getting to Geno Smith, and then on the last play where they tried to run the running back across the formation and kind of do a little quick little dump to him. Geno Smith had no choice but just to throw the football away on the last, on fourth down, the last play of the game. He didn't have an opportunity to throw the football down the field to give his uh, wide receiver a chance to catch the football. So those are the type of things that, you know, like you said, Dan Quinn, understand when he has talent, the dude is a heck of a coach. So I, I think that for them to make the necessary adjustments and then, you know, like I get it going at a guy like Bland because he's a guy, he's a risk taker, right? But if you look at those throws, even on that D.K. Metcalf touchdown, that was a very precise throw. That was the only place that Geno Smith could have put that football and Duran Blanding picked that bad boy off. So he he was making some um, – Geno Smith was making some good throws. It's just the fact that you know that a guy like Bland, he has a knack for the football. He's a former wide receiver, so eventually he's going to get his hands on it. That's what we saw when he tried to um, jump – when he jumped that deep out route It was just, it was just all right, just what we used to seeing. And and then when it came down to make a play at the end of the game, you saw guys like Michael Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence starting to do their thing. That's what they're built for. And KC, the conversation, of course. To start the game,
0: but definitely to end the game because Dallas was able to battle their way back into a win was whether or not they've also battled their way back into the conversation along with the Eagles and the 49ers who we do definitely know are the cream of the crop for the NFC and that up that upper echelon matchdown we're going to see it kind of play out in full this weekend we'll talk about it of course, in the segment coming up. But just out of curiosity, did you see anything in last night's game that made you think, okay, this Cowboys team actually des- deserves to be in the conversation with these Eagles and 49ers teams?
1: Well, you love the fact that they put up 40-plus points for the yeah. f- third, fourth, fourth time in six games. I mean, they they, they are really hanging Dickens, points yeah. up on the board at a crazy level. And you know some of that comes from the defense with the scoring defense and all the pick-sixes mm-hmm. from the Bland, So they get a little extra juice there. Um, I just can't help but wonder like if Tyler Lockett doesn't drop that pass with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter mm. on first and 10 from the 45, what's this conversation look like, right? Yeah. So this is a quality win for Dallas. I don't want to take away from it, but if you're talking about the cream of the crop, Philadelphia has had, has a head to head. Uh They'll obviously play next week uh in Arlington. So that's a huge matchup, but Philadelphia's also had a lot of success head to head against Dallas in recent years. And, uh, the San Francisco game that happened this year speaks for itself. So if I did have to put that hierarchy up there, I still probably would lean into those other two teams just because of the head to head favors that, that both of those teams have against Dallas. But you know, you, you're going to put yourself in a position from a seating perspective where mm-hmm. if San Francisco loses or San Francisco beats Philadelphia, and then you beat Philly next week, You might all of a sudden put yourself in a position where you're not the five seed that has to go play an NFC South champion and you get some home games in the playoffs. And if you get that, anything can happen from there.
0: Yeah. And it's such a tight race when you look over in uh, the NFC because it's the I mean, it is the tightest 10 and one I've ever seen or can think of in recent memory. The Eagles, of course, with the 10 and one record, both San Fran and Dallas with nine. well, Dallas actually nine and three, of course, because they just played last night. San Fran going into that game eight and three on Sunday, and of course, the Lions eight and three as well. So, very, very to your point, Casey, some interesting matchups. But yeah, with the Eagles, they've at least shown you, you know, a week and a half ago, they showed you what they could do in pulling out the win uh, against the Chiefs. That was, you know, the perfect example, and then coming back and pulling it out in overtime against a, a solid Bills team. So, yeah, they've they've shown improved. And San Francisco, once they got their guys healthy, they started looking like the 49ers again. So I think you're absolutely right. It's maybe 1A and 1B, but then we still have the Cowboys kind of in that second tier, if you will. Now, another very interesting turn of events this week was up in New York. We heard that Aaron Rodgers is back. 12 has re-entered the chat. So he practiced for the Jets this week, and there's been a lot of conversation about that. Now, Jarvis, Casey, I know you see that look on Jarvis's face, look right. He's like, "Yeah, whatever," because <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons, of course, are going to see their way up to well, really, Jersey—that's where they play—but they're going to take on the Jets this week. But Jarvis, regardless of whether you know, Aaron Rodgers obviously is not going to take the field Sunday, but regardless of that, what was your thought when you heard that Rodgers was back on the mend and uh, on his way back this season? Be
2: told, to, to be told to be totally honesty, like this man craves attention and I want to use a word, but I don't know if I can quite use it. So I'm going to refrain from using he's an attention. You know what? And he loves it and he he craves it. He has to have it. And and, you know, he's an anti guy. Right. He's, you know, anti, you know, uh, uh, groupthink. So I, I think that, you know, this whole speed bridge procedure that he's. Um, is reportedly going through and trying to you know go up against you know what physical therapy suggests and all that stuff and I think that it's it's amazing that he's using the jets as as a as a, you know a, a pun almost in this whole situation because like go sit down somewhere like you just turned forty years old and if you really really care about this new york jets fan base like you've been portraying yourself to um to do you would go somewhere and sit your butt down and say hey guys i will be back next year and we are going to compete for a super bowl like i said i'm i'm bring you back a super bowl just like i promised i did in the offseason um leading up to becoming a new york jet so I, I i don't buy it i don't i'm not interested in i'm not looking forward to the the commanders matchup uh, on dc december 20th when he, his uh 21 day period is over with yeah I, i'm not i'm not interested i'm not interested in it at all because it it seems like a a very Aaron Rodgers type thing to kind of keep himself relevant as he's been out on our.
0: So Casey, I'm looking at your face as well. And you're like, yeah, you you got a little look. I want to know what that's about when you're thinking about, the news that Aaron Rodgers is back to practice, and he's now within his 21 day window of potentially returning this cool, cool. season.
1: Tanisha, I want to know what gives. You said Aaron Rodgers has re-entered the chat as if this man has ever left the chat. Right, has exactly. Not <laughs> died once we've heard exactly. from Aaron every week. <laughs> but I go on Pat McAfee and tell the whole world what uh, what we had for lunch. And by blow play by play, play right? Rehab. Look, you know, I'm not a part of his rehab team, but. My degree is in kinesiology and exercise science. And when he goes on the week of getting his practice window open and says, I'm up to eight miles per hour on the rehab treadmill with 70% of my body weight. We're not close guys. Like that's not even close to being able to go. And then Mm -hmm. you watch him out there at practice and you see how he's, he's working through things and he's moving. We're not close. Like this isn't going to happen. And if it does happen, he's going out there at like 50%. And for his mentality to be, if I go out there because we're not mathematically eliminated at 50%, what's the worst that happens? It blows again, and that's the thought process? More power to you if you want to do that. But you know this this late stipulation, the fine print here that we only really got to once the calendar flipped past Thanksgiving is, oh yeah, we have to be mathematically eligible to make the playoffs for this to happen and for it to make sense for me to come back that ship going to be sailed. So, you know, all of this, we have successfully milked this storyline for all that it is worth. Congratulations. We have reached the practice window. I saw the practice footage from yesterday. He's not even close. So you can open the practice window and Robert Sala's sailing point is, well, he gets to practice and do his stuff with his teammates as compared to doing it off on the side. Okay, great. But you know, the the headline is just Aaron Rodgers practices. and Everybody loses their mind. The fine print is there. R-E-A-L-A-X. Relax. To quote Aaron Rodgers, this is not going to happen.
0: Yeah. And I think you're you're absolutely right. Like there's been so much attention paid to that. And of course, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't bring it up and have some conversation and some commentary about it as well. But real talk. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at a team that's up and down. You don't kind of know what you're going to get from them week to week. I mean, literally, I'm looking at a record, for example, and I say from week to week, but honestly, the last four weeks, we know what we'll get from them else. That's because that's what they've produced. So at the end of the day, but you're looking at a team also that's four and seven weirder things have happened but you would essentially have to go 5 and 0 oh to have even a snowball's chance right or um, I'm sorry 6 and 0 oh, really and truly to have even a snowball's chance to get out of a very difficult AFC heck you're barely you're not even getting out of your division if we're being honest about Kyle right so if you can't get out of the division as kind of your part one like where's the path there that's what you should be focusing on or your conversation should be more focused on You've got a team in the Atlanta Falcons that's coming into town who you're gonna be facing one of the top run de- run offenses in all of football, and you're the second worst run defense in all of football. That really is what the focal point should be in New York. Not so George or no.
2: Yeah, like 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 I mentioned, like this is uh this is all part of his plan. Like I, am giving Aaron Rodgers I a lot of <laughs> <laughs> Like this is di- all part of his diabolical plan to to stay relevant, and and it sucks because at the end of the day, like when you when you're the quarterback is being questioned as to whether or not you know Robert Saleh, uh, um, Sala, you know, should stick around as a head coach. It's like why are you asking the quarterback that a, a guy that's supposed to be on IR. Somewhere go rehabbing, you know. what I'm saying, like, Kyle, man, I think you need to be. You need to call um Aaron Rodgers and give him some uh, some good advice, man. Some good sound advice to say, hey, man, if you want to continue to play, uh, you might need to sit your butt down somewhere. So yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of in the, in the corner of this game has a lot more better a lot, lot better storylines to be having conversations about. Like uh, you got the you know, the, uh, the division leader for a bad division. I'm going to be honest, you know, coming in town and you know they're coming off of a rushing for over two hundred yards, over four hundred yards in the last couple of games. So this is a team that's just trying to get some type of momentum, you know, going here. And we're sitting up here talking about a quarterback who we know with anybody with common sense is not going to play. Well, you know
0: what? That's why we're putting that conversation to rest, and we're.
2: Listen up, guys. Jarvis Davis here for FanDuel. This episode of the NFL Kickoff Live Show is brought to you by FanDuel. Guess what, guys? Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Okay, Jarvis, what are our bonus bets? Bonus bets are things, money you can use to go to bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, and much, much more, guys. The website is fanduel.com. Slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash on. And I know what you're wondering. I know what you're thinking. I can see it right now. What y'all I do on my information out there and all that stuff? No, nah, man. You don't have to worry about that with FanDuel. The app is super safe. It's easy to use. And then there's so many options that, you know, wide range of betting options. We're talking about over-unders, player props, spreads, and much, much more. So, guys, I want you to make sure that you visit slash locked on fanduel.com locked on it is getting cold outside i'm telling you, these nfl offers are coming in hot on fanduel so i need you to go there and check them out right now today well not right now because you know you're watching the show and you listen to it on your audio as soon as you finish listening you know we're on audio side or youtube then you go to fanduel.com slash locked That's fanduel.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Fanduel, because it is the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Guys, I don't know
0: about you, but I am absolutely, positively salivating over this showdown that could be a preview of the NFC Championship game. I'm talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, the San Francisco 49ers, two teams that, like me, believe that we will see them deep into January, maybe even one of them in February. So this week, they're going to face off, and our Locked on 49ers host, Brian Peacock, alongside our Locked on Eagles host, Gino Camilleri, break down a potentially- Dangerous, strange, interesting trend out of Philly this season
3: huge matchup this Sunday between the Birds and the Niners. And Brian, before we get into keys of victory, I think you had a key question to get into first.
4: Yeah, so is it a is it a feature or a bug that the Philadelphia Eagles aren't blowing teams out for 60 minutes, but they're looking weird for a half and then just like oh oh that's right we're better so we're just gonna we're not gonna run away we're gonna walk away from you and then we're 10 and one is it a feature or a bug this season for the Eagles
3: yeah I think it's I don't know it's a little bit of both I don't want to cheat I would say a bug because in the first half it's not like it's a fluke I think the play calling has been very up and down I think they are turning the football over Jalen hurts has taken some time to wake up a little bit in these games especially over the last month but they are just so good at having an answer in the second half. It just feels like they're never rattled, and I think that's primarily because of their quarterback. I think they drive through Jalen Hurts, and it doesn't matter how many bad plays he makes. He just always keeps coming back, and it makes sense when you look at his collegiate career and everything he's went through. So, yeah, I would say, I don't know, it's kind of a strength and a weakness, too. You don't want to have to keep putting yourselves in holes because, especially against a really good team like the 49ers, odds are you're not always going to be able to come back. I mean, you were able to do it against Mahomes and Allen, which is miraculous in back-to-back weeks, but I don't think that's a recipe for success. So, yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag. It's uh, it's an evil and, uh, I don't know, a good thing at the same time to know they're battle-tested, but yeah. I wish they would make it a little easier on us. I will say they've had some complete games this year. They put a complete game together against Tampa Bay against the Rams, I would even say the Miami Dolphins, Dallas, they played pretty well for four quarters. But yeah, lately it's taken them a little bit to get going. And I think against the 49ers, that's going to be a huge key because they play great with a lead. And I think at times they don't play great when they're trailing. So I think both teams are going to be really fighting to get that lead early on in this football game.
4: No doubt. I mean, it's fascinating because I was kind of saying it was a feature because they're battle tested. And we talked about how the 49ers are, have been such a amazing front runners, which is not a negative this season. They get a lead and they're so good. And you, you're Kyle Shanahan, you have the entire playbook to throw at teams, run and pass, and then the defense can start to pin their ears back a little bit. And you make a, the opposing offense one-dimensional. That's been the 49ers' lifeblood. And so if that's how it plays out, I think it really plays into the 49ers' hands to get that lead early. Whoever gets the lead first is my first key to victory in this game and the 49ers have proven this season that they're so much better playing with the lead than not. And what's fascinating is that the Eagles have proven that they can play without the lead too. So uh I, if I had to guess how things are going to go, the 49ers go up early, but the Eagles are the one team that the 49ers have faced this year They might be able to come back from that deficit as well. So uh, I, I kind of hope that's how it goes because that'll make for a, an awesome football game on Sunday.
0: Come on back. I As I was listening to Brian, I know it just muted itself. I'm like, oh, you don't want to hear from me anymore? <laughs> I'm on NFL off Live crew. What's up? Anyway, we know that happens from time to time. But my point being, Jarvis, it's interesting in listening to what Brian said at the end. It was almost like he was making his case and unmaking his case all at the same time because he said that the one thing that the 49ers, well, the one thing that could happen is whoever is that team that goes up first is a team that's probably going to win the game, which the 49ers tend to jump out to a quick start. But then he had to acknowledge the fact that, you know, like Lou was talking about the Eagles are the one team that I mean, they just kind of sit back and take your best shot until about mm, 59 minutes into the game and decide, OK, we'll just smoke you. And so how do you feel about that in terms of your reaction to, OK, if the 49ers jump out, does this mean that that's it for the Eagles because this is the one team that can stop them from coming back? Or will the Eagles still be good to go regardless of if the 49ers jump out? First,
2: Uh, I feel like the the Eagles be good to go because you know when you think about like all of the games that we've watched, you know the Eagles play this year, like you're talking about one score games. I I I will I will never look at that as a detriment in the NFL because hey, like one or two plays determine determine games pretty much each and every Sunday unless this is just a a bad matchup. So when you when you come into a matchup like this, you know a one that could potentially be an NFC Championship, like we talked about earlier. That's what you look for. You look for teams that have been battle tested. You look for teams who've been in dog fights, so to speak, or or bar fights. Because when bar fights, there's no rules. <laughs> you know, it's you know, people out there just like, okay, people out there just fending for themselves and they're going out there and trying to figure out a way to get it get out of there with the win in this particular case. You're talking about winning a football game. So I I I tend to head lean towards the Eagles because they are a team that's well-balanced, and, and, you know, we, that's what you always look at when you talk about going into matchups like these with two really good teams. And, and I feel like I trust Jalen Hurts a little bit more than Brock Purdy. I mean, I know people might not, you know, necessarily agree with that, but when you think about what Hurts uh being able to step up in certain moments and, and being able to make necessary plays, especially when they were playing against the Chiefs, um, a couple weeks ago those are some of the things that you have to pay attention to also so i'm with i'm with you know brian you know <laughs> who who like you say he made his case for the 49ers and then i'm with the the, the, the rebuttal to his his case that he made uh on the backside that hey the eagles are, are are built to win a game like this one
0: yeah and honestly kyle i thought that the strange but dangerous play they were going to talk about was the tush push but uh it works I mean, the Eagles have that thing perfected. And I think the other piece there is this, in addition to what JD was saying about how the Eagles came back against the Chiefs, I think that it gets maybe lost in the shuffle that they didn't just come back and beat the Bills. They beat them with a touchdown and they beat them without Lane Johnson. And so when you start talking about some of the things that the Eagles have endured, I I feel like sometimes those things get overlooked as well. But kind of what are your thoughts on where this Eagles team, no pun intended, but where this Eagle team Eagle team will land based on how they do or could potentially do against these 49ers Sunday.
1: Yeah, just as a follow-up on the one-score game dynamic, they have two more one-score wins this season than San Francisco has in all of 2022 and 2023 combined, which is a full extra season's worth of games. So mm. uh, that ability to – win close, win ugly, win gritty, win dirty. Like San Francisco has done it, but like Philadelphia this season, it's kind of been like the book for yeah. them. So right. I think Philadelphia can win in more ways mm-hmm. where I think San Francisco has kind of a, a more defined um, pathway to beating you. kind of their, their, their plan. And I think they're very well-rounded in what they do offensively and defensively. they, are one of the teams in the league that throw the ball the least, but they're the most efficient per attempt passing offense in the league because of the weapons that they have on the outside. Iooks averaging almost 20 yards a yeah. catch. So much of that is run after catch. Christian McCaffrey, you know, that's the centerpiece, the the vehicle of this offense is the trade deadline last year. Um, I think there's a game script for San Francisco to really take control of this game and take advantage of it and, and kind of smother Philadelphia. But, I don't necessarily know that they're going to get to that script. So I do think this is going to have to be a win-dirty game for either team. The good news is either team can do it. One team is just doing it at a higher rate this season than the other.
0: Yeah, and amazingly so, Kyle. The one team that's doing it at the higher rate is actually the underdog. Just saying. But, you know, Gino Cavallari and I talked about that. He, of course, is the co-host with uh, with Louis DiBassi for Locked on Eagles. And we talked about the fact that for whatever reason – they're still in Philly trying to put some respect on that team's name and try to put some respect on Jalen Hurts name. And it just isn't happening. So I suppose maybe Casey, maybe JD, if you beat the, the chiefs and then six days later you beat the bills and then 10 days later you beat the 49ers, maybe that's the kind of, one, two, three punch that you'll need in order for you to get the respect that you deserve. But that said, I think also there's still some opportunity out there for some teams to make a statement that they can actually be that team that heads to the NFC championship or meets one of these teams in the NFC championship. So Jarvis, what team do you feel is still out there in the NFC who could beat either the 49ers, the Eagles or both?
2: Wow. That is a really good question because like going through this this was it was a hard one because I I was ago a different right right yeah yeah I thought about, about yeah, two or three weeks ago I would have like yeah. ah, you know lions would have been the first name to come to my come to come to mm-hmm. mind but that got Jared Goff, Jared, Goff, Jared Goff starting to shine through a little bit old Rams Jared Goff the reason why the, or Sean McVay God, said God, you, God, you know hey man I will let your brother <laughs> go ahead and get you on take your little <laughs> one way trip to Detroit you know but give me uh give me Matt Stafford like I need that but it's and, and, and that's the unfortunate thing because, you know, like you see the, you know, the downfalls of, of, of that team. And, and it's kind of hard to, when you start matching them up against a team like the Eagles or the 49ers, it was just like, oh, man, giving away, I've been playing. But on the other side of that, it's kind of hard to ignore what the Cowboys are doing. I know they're the Cowboys. I know everybody, you know, they're the butt of a lot of jokes as far as coming playing in big games. but. The way that Prescott has been playing, like the man is legitimately in the MVP conversation in the NFL. So I think that I would have to put the Cowboys, you know, they, they surpassed to me in my book, the, the mm-hmm. Detroit Lions. So that's kind of where I'm looking at. I'm, I'm leaning towards D-Town and, and what, they, what they've been doing as of late because I've always believed in the defense. is just not, I don't know what is going to do it and when, it, when it comes down to it. But as of late, he's been doing it. Yeah,
0: you don't know if he's going to be Dak that's going to Dak or if we're going to see rain to go to Prescott out there, but I think we've been seeing rain to go Prescott out there, and that's a, that's a positive. That's yes. a compliment. If I'm,
2: calling you by your I'm a whole Steelers name, fan, yes. That's, a, that's, a, that's <laughs> a compliment.
0: Steelers fan calling you by your whole name with respect, so go ahead and take that. But Kyle, that's actually a very interesting point that Jarvis and I make because, yeah, two, three, four weeks ago, what the power rankings were looking like in the NFC and who had that road – you know, sort of that third team that had that road or that path to the NFC Championship have possibly changed in terms of, yeah, we know it's still going to be the Eagles that we're talking about probably for the duration of the regular season, same with the 49ers, but maybe the path has changed about who that third team might be who could take one of those down.
1: Uh, I think the only apprehension that I have here is with what the road looks like the rest of the way. Yeah, I would agree Dallas is comfortably playing better football right now than than Detroit is coming off that Thanksgiving loss uh, against the green Bay Packers, but Dallas has the league's third highest remaining opponent win percentage of any team in the league. You know, they have to play Philadelphia again. They have to play at Buffalo. They have to play at Miami and they play Detroit. And that's, you know, only, only so many games left on the schedule. You got five games left. That's four of your five games. Yeah. So if they're going to be in a position to chase down Philadelphia, A, they're going to have had really earned it. But two, I think if you're going to beat one of these teams in the playoffs, you're going to have to, your chances are much higher if you play them at home. So I think that's Mm -hmm. where I still kind of lean into Detroit a little bit because we're expecting them to win that division. They're at new Orleans this week. I think that's a very winnable game with the struggles that new Orleans has had recently. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think Dallas is playing better ball, but I think the pathway is still better for Detroit to be the team that does it.
0: Yeah, and that makes perfect sense because oftentimes, you know, it's not about how good or bad you're playing. Sometimes it's just a, a game of luck. I mean, if we're being honest and it sounds like to your point, Dallas has just that harder road to kind of travel than say the Lions have to. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how this plays out, especially because, as you mentioned, Casey, there are so many head to head matchups of these teams that are vying for those top seeds in the NFC. Now, as we prepare you for the NFL week with Sell Me Why, Jarvis first is going to tell you guys about and sell you on game time.
2: What's up, guys? Jarvis Davis here for Game Time. This episode of the NFL Kickoff Live Show is brought to you by Game Time. Listen, everybody named Mammy, everybody named Mammy are looking for SEC championship tickets. I know it's coming down to the wire. We're literally one day away, about 26 hours away, 25 and a half hours away from, from kickoff as we speak. Yes, you don't have to worry about that when it comes to Game Time, folks. I'm telling you i'm, I'm routing them to right to game time go to game time go to game time go to game time go to game time you're going to be able to get some tickets i promised you because they have chiller last minute deals all in prices views from your seat and their best price guarantee game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets i'm telling you guys they need to go you need to go to that website right now game the uh, so it is they have last minute tickets Flash deals, zone, de- zone deals, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. If you're not into football, which I don't know what's wrong with you. If you are, especially if you listen to this show, um, you can go to whatever, you know, whether it be comedy shows, you know, concerts, anything. They have everything right there just for you. You can even see the view from your seat before you buy. So, you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. So, no, no surprises, none of that. And you can buy tickets in seconds. Two times. Yeah. So game deals even had game time even has deals right up to the start of event and even after the hour it after it starts. It's the place to find last minute seats. So I need you to go to Game Time and use code locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Yes. Use code locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase. That's L O C K E D O N N F L. And take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Just download the app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. How does he keep doing that? <laughs> the <laughs> microphone, guys. He does not want <laughs> me to talk.
0: I literally was like I'm unmuting myself and it's like no I'm But anyway it's just you know what it doesn't want me to be great but there's a great person that we're going to hear from my BFF of locked on Ross Jackson who I had to give hugs to last week because it was it was tough for him. Jarvis coming off that Falcon Saints game last week. And was now he was sad. He was sad. He was really sad. Now the Saints are finding themselves, whoa, in a four and a half point underdog situation over at FanDuel Sportsbook as they host the Lions this Sunday. He's going to tell us about why the Saints can cover that spread.
5: If the New Orleans Saints hope to get a win against the Detroit Lions, they got to start burning sage in the Superdome right now. I'm Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast. In order for the New Orleans Saints to get a win against the 8-3 and three Detroit Lions, they're going to have to do a lot of things. And maybe reviving or finding the living lineage of Marie Laveau, the voodoo queen of New Orleans, might be the biggest way and best way to achieve that victory. But if they're going to have to do it on their own, they're going to need to have a lot of things go the right way. They're going to be without their top wide receiver in Michael Thomas, without their big deep threat in Rashid Shaheed, without their top cornerback, in Marshawn Lattimore and their other big time wide receiving option second year wide receiver Chris Olave is coming out of concussion protocol so even if he does play who knows how impactful he will be needless to say the stack the chips are stacked against the New Orleans Saints but if the Saints can do a couple of things maybe they can make this one interesting see the New Orleans Saints are one of the lowest ranked teams in the NFL when it comes to their defense putting pressure On a quarterback or the percentage of time that that happens on the other side of that the Detroit Lions offensive line is one of the teams that allows the least amount of pressure on their quarterback Jared Goff in the league as well one of those would have to break in the Saints favor get pressure on Jared Goff and when you get there force turnovers this has been a big issue for the Detroit Lions over the course of the past few weeks in particular. They've been giving the ball away quite a bit. The New Orleans Saints, one of the best teams in the NFL with a plus six turnover differential in creating takeaways. So if they can do that, get pressure on the quarterback and take the ball away and actually find a way to convert in the red zone, which has been the biggest struggle for the New Orleans Saints so far this offseason, or season rather, then maybe, just maybe, they might be able to get an upset win against the Detroit Lions. But we're not holding our breath in New Orleans just yet. If anything else, it might be an audition for Ben Johnson, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator, for a potential job opening that could follow the season here in New Orleans.
0: Well, Ooh. you know, Ross Jackson. Oh, yeah. Ross pulls <laughs> no punches and he tells <laughs> no lies. I was just waiting for him to say that actually Miss Marie or Miss Olivia or Miss Willie May were going to come out with like the blue dolls and stuff like we do back home. Yeah, you know. It's New Orleans, oh, so it's man. probably going to take some voodoo. All oh, the
2: spaghetti—that's what I've been told. Okay, exactly. Maybe
0: they should take some of that spaghetti up to, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, or some red beans and rice up to, Det- or you know, up to the Detroit locker room because that might be Kyle the only way that they take a dub away from this game.
1: Ross did not inspire any confidence in me, and I he am said, sitting know, in. That.
0: Look, the, the,
1: you look at the Saints team all season long, and kind of the way I perceived the team was they were a talented team with questions with coaching. And now they're a talented team with questions in coaching and health issues. And that's not a good combination. That's not an extra layer to add onto a football team. So for all the players that have been banged up, Derek Carr's had a hard enough go this season in new Orleans. Never mind all the, the skilled players that are going to be banged up and missing time. The offensive line has not performed to the expectation that they have for all of the money that they have invested in that group and the first round draft pick with Trevor Penning, like it just hasn't clicked into place. And this is not the offense to be messing with. If you're having trouble to get, get the offense to click in place and have a bunch of guys that are either hurt playing hurt or going to be missing the game. So I'm, I'm all the way out on uh, the saints covering that four and a half point spread.
0: Yeah, and Jarvis, just thinking back to the game last week, taking nothing away, by the way, from what the Falcons' O-line was able to do, but literally I felt like Cam Jordan was a, a step slower than maybe I'd seen him in recent games, and I felt like everybody on that Saints team seemed to, as the game go on, it seemed like they were more and more and more on their heels until you know the Falcons were just able to kind of drive them into the ground with their ground game. And let's face it, in addition to what Detroit's able to do from time to time, whenever golf is not golfing, uh, they do have a solid run game. So yeah, it feels like it would be a tough mountain for the saints to climb, to be able to win this game.
2: Like we, we literally always joke about how the Falcons are the get right game for, for a lot of teams. Right. And especially specifically in that three game losing streak um, <clears throat> that they went on before they actually played against the saints. And, and I would, I was go out uh, go out on limb, and not even really going out on a limb. This was a get right game for the Falcons' offensive line. Like they literally dominated on both sides of the football up front, and we don't talk about Falcons teams like that. I mean, just right. to be quite honest. So yeah, like, yeah, Cameron Jordan, yeah, he should be slowing down at this point because I I I, I haven't seen a slowdown on uh, Cam Jordan before. Like, so I was quick to point that out la- last week, you know, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So yeah when you're going up against a a physical type team that the the lions we know dan campbell is the head coach of that team talking about biting ankles and knees and all that stuff i know i'm not laughing anymore at that at that that statement i believe him i believe those guys will bite some ankles and some kneecaps for you because that's just the type of guy you are and getting those guys motivated to play right you know it's just a matter of hey is golf going to listen this week but that's the only thing i think that's the x factor in this game if golf starts golfing right i love using that term by the way uh <laughs> shout out to jason golfer guy i don't know why it just popped in my head but i'm going to say it anyway but if he starts golfing there is there's going to be an opportunity you know to for, for for the saints to get there but i, I think like this is a storyline game right the underlying st- stories for this game have nothing to do with whether or not the saints are going to win it has to do with Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen throwing his players under the bus and all this type of stuff. It's just too much going on with this game. I feel like this is a get right game for the Lions. They're going to avenge that that, that loss against the Packers on, on Thanksgiving and, and, and go and get a win and start to um, potentially get back on track.
0: Yeah, now, a team that is not, I feel like, in that same situation, because they certainly aren't the clusterfuffle that we're seeing in, at least in the same, but it might be a similar situation, Kyle, in when you look at the Miami Dolphins and you look at the Washington Commanders, meaning one team is a clusterfuffle and one team is not. So maybe it's a similar situation off-field in this upcoming game and we're going to hear a little bit more about that from david harrison from Locked On commanders he's here to tell you why the commanders can cover as nine and a half point underdogs against the dolphins
6: the washington commanders are going to need some our fathers and some hail marys if they're going to defeat the miami dolphins in week 13 i'm david harrison of the locked on commanders podcast but to cover the nine and a half point spread that they have on FanDuel as underdogs against the Miami Dolphins at home at FedEx Field this weekend, that might be a little bit more doable because the Washington Commanders have had a tendency this season to play down to competition, play up to competition, taking the Philadelphia Eagles to the wire twice this season in an NFC East Division matchup, but then also getting pummeled by the Chicago Bears, losing twice to the New York Giants, and then, of course, getting... Uh, Run out of their own stadium against the Buffalo Bills earlier this season. And then most recently, a loss on Thanksgiving against the Dallas Cowboys that led to the firing of defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. Now, while the commanders are praying for a chance to beat the Miami Dolphins, they may also want to ask St. Anthony for some guidance as well, because a lot of people think they lost their way and lost their minds when they traded defensive ends Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Since then, the Washington commanders have not been able to manufacture much of a pass rush and their defense has not only continued to struggle but has actually gotten worse ron rivera the head coach of the washington commanders is taking over the defense beginning this week and he says he plans to simplify some things but is also looking for ways to get one-on-one matchups for defensive linemen jonathan allen and Duran Payne. what that will entail specifically we do not know yet we will see that emphasize or unveiled rather against the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. If they've got a prayer of a chance, that defense is going to have to play well, pursue very, very well up front with the first and second level defenders taking care of business, tackling guys like Tyreek Hill when they get the ball close to or at the line of scrimmage while letting their safeties play top coverage to keep them from blowing the top off the Washington Commanders' defense. It's going to be a tall task, a hard task, and one that a a lot of defenses in the NFL – better than what the Commanders have been so far, have not been able to do. But if the Commanders can do it enough, and Sam Howell can do some of the good things that we've seen him do in his first year as a starting quarterback in the NFL, the Washington Commanders could cover that nine and a half point spread and certainly have a prayer shot at beating the Miami Dolphins. For more on this game and everything, Washington Commanders, check me out on the Locked On Commanders podcast five days a week, part of the Locked On podcast. Network your team every day.
0: And, you know, Kyle, David is right in that Sam Howell has been lighting up this entire league. He's led the lead in yards uh, pretty much this entire the entirety of this season. So, yeah, there is a weapon there. And if Riverboat Ron is taking over the defense, there might be a prayer, especially if he tries to scheme some things around Deron Payne. But, okay, Kyle, real talk. Uh, He's so- talking about Tyree Kill being stopped at the first or second level. Okay, good luck with that.
1: I have good news and bad news. The good news is nine and a half is a it's a large spread, so that always helps your case. I think you know you could backdoor cover, you could score late touchdowns, you can you know you see that happen quite frequently. The bad news is this: Washington is defensively third in the league in explosive play rate allowed. They are the fourth team in the bottom five in the league that the Miami Dolphins will have played this season. They played the New York Giants, who are second worst in the NFL. They're worse than Washington. Miami scored 31 points and had 524 yards of offense. The fourth place team was the LA Chargers. Miami played them week one. They scored 36 points and had 536 yards of offense. And the dot, dot, dot Denver Broncos are fifth place in worst and most explosive rates allowed. And the Dolphins had 726 yards and 70 points scored. So the teams that are in this stratosphere of explosive plays, Miami is top five in both rushing explosive plays and passing explosive plays. Miami's putting 500 yards of offense and 30 to 70 points on these teams that are in this stratosphere. Yeah. It's a large range of points allowed, but 30, if 30 is the floor, I don't think that bodes particularly well for Washington to keep this thing within nine and a half. So that that's the big worry. And if Ron Rivera finds the buttons to push to change that dynamic of this football team, then he probably deserves to be the head coach for another year. But I doubt.
0: Yeah. And Jarvis, if you look at, uh, to Kyle's point, even when, you know, the Dolphins scored 31 to 17 on the Patriots and you look at those numbers, it's like, once again, right up there in terms of explosive plays, in terms of total yards in that game and just utter dominance. I mean, almost 400 yards, 312 yards passing and literally you're looking at about six yards per play so yeah this team shows if you have a leaky secondary and if you don't have the ability which i i don't see the commanders is doing to have the ability to really put Tua a tongue in a position where he has to be hurried in his throws or in his progressions it's going to be a long afternoon for them it's
2: yeah. yeah it's it's like this is a team type of team that that's fun to watch, right? But when you think about, you know, the way with all of the motions and Mike McDaniel's and Tyreek Hill looking like he's te- copping a squat before the ball is snapped, I'm just like, what is he doing? And then next thing you know, he's just getting up out of there and getting the football in his hands. Like I love the way you know Mike McDaniel calls plays, and, and I love the way they run offense and. And, and that's what you're, they do what they're supposed to do, like you're just a, a team that is not good against the pass, a team that are, you know, uh vulnerable against explosive plays, whether it be the run or the passing game. Like you love teams that take advantage of that. And like and I and I really you can you almost appreciate it because. Like let's be face let's face it like it's been a little weird like the quarterback play has been down this year for the most part and we we I, I joked about defenses getting better but you know it's like it's hard to find good quarterbacks you know in this in this in this in this day and age so I, I think that the Dolphins being able to take advantage of that you know on a consistent basis I feel like this is going to be another instance where we're going to be looking at this game like man. Tyreek Hill still got a chance to get two thousand yards, or you know, or what's what's about to go down with that. But I feel, I really feel like the end result of this game definitely going to be a Dolphins win. But I really feel like there's a, a Magic Johnson tweet coming. <laughs> you know, at the end of this game just like man you know how magic throws those cryptic tweets and just like yeah that was not a good performance today by our team we're gonna make sure we get better and take care. wait a minute what are you firing a man without firing him so yeah i, I, think, I think ron Rivera is a dead man walking i don't see him firing up the troops and getting his defense back to some respectability i, I really feel like you know the only way that they potentially, the commanders potentially cover is Sam Howell has listened to B. Enemy and they have a, a a heck of a game and cover on a, a, at, at a last minute touchdown when the game is pretty much out of hand. That's the only way I see that happening. But overall, this is going to be a Dolphins win. And I think that we're going to we're going to see some good offensive play for sure.
0: For sure. And so Sunday night football will take the Packers into Kansas City. They're taking on the or actually they'll be at home against the Kansas City Chiefs, check that. Peter Bukowski joins us now, and he's going to actually tell us why they can cover the spread at 6.00. point underdogs.
7: Don't tell me you need to calm down or that it will only happen in my wildest dreams. I know the Green Bay Packers all too well, and they can beat the Chiefs at Lambeau Field on Sunday. Let me tell you why. I'm Peter Bukowski, host of Locked On Packers, and this love story started the last time these two teams met. Jordan Love remembers it all too well. These Spagnuolo blitzed him to the point he must have been wondering by the third quarter, is it over now? When Andy Reid was asked about Jordan Love in the preseason, he basically said, I forgot you existed. And if those really deep cuts didn't cause bad blood, then putting Love's mom and girlfriend in the nosebleeds at Arrowhead had Love seeing red after a tough performance. But his reputation has changed. His play has changed. And the Packers have been one of the best offenses in the league over the last month. Even if he hasn't been untouchable, the protection for Jordan Love has been solid and he's been the man. He's in full command of the offense, creating from different arm angles like he thinks his girlfriend is the one in the box with Taylor Swift. And When they need a tough catch on third down, Love can go, Romeo, save me, and Dobbs obliges. But two is better than one, and Christian Watson, once again, looking like a dynamic explosive option, means everything has changed for this offense and their ability to create down the field. The Packers have been a top five team creating explosives the last month and love has been among league leaders in big time throws. If the Packers can tackle and not have guys like Travis Kelsey shake it off, they can keep the Chiefs from creating a big plays and keep a blank space up on the scoreboard. This is a delicate line to walk, but Green Bay will be back to December where a Matt LaFleur Packers team has never lost. No, seriously, they're 15 and zero. it's going to be frigid. At Lambo, so go in style, wear your cardigan and friendship bracelet and buckle up for a Super Bowl one rematch. And don't blame me if the Packers spring the upset. It's me, but I'm not the problem. AJ Dillon will be for the 27th ranked Chiefs run defense by DVOA. The Packers score 22 and win.
0: I think I heard seven Taylor Swift references in that. Are Shout out to Peter for for being. Are you sure it wasn't ten? It, <laughs> it was <laughs> sounds like do it. Do you think? But anyway, guys, quick reaction to that. That was actually some bold predicting from our guy Peter. He's saying that maybe the Packers can pull off the upset, but KC, do they actually cover? I think they
1: can. I think they can cover. The seven of their last ten football games have been one score games. So you're in the six point territory. Like that's that's on the upper echelon of just about every game that they played, win or lose. I think twenty two is about the right number. Not just because it's a Taylor Swift song for the the Packers offense. And if the Chiefs can, can fall into the trap of the last two teams that have played Green Bay, which is Green Bay successfully run the ball and they've run the ball well for about a month now. But Green Bay is also plus four in turnover differential the last two games. So if you could steal a couple possessions, you can get up into the 20s. I think that is a pathway for you at the very least to cover the six-point spread.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see if it actually happens. Now, on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about some guys who might be on the hot seat. But before we talk about that, Jarvis is going to tell you guys a little bit about FanDuel.
2: Listen up guys, Jarvis Davis here For FanDuel, All right, this episode of NFL Kickoff Live Show is brought to you by FanDuel Jarvis, why are you talking about that? Because I need you to listen, I need you to pay Attention to what I'm saying because Right now, new customers Can get $150 in Bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet Yes, that's $150 if your team Wins, I'm telling you guys You've been thinking about jumping on That FanDuel bandwagon I need you to get on it right now because it is the absolute best place to go when you're trying to win some money with some specials some cash you know some de niro all that stuff i can't think of any else how to say money in another language i need you to help me out people but anyway go to fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on the app is super safe guys it's easy to use there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads the player props. We just talked the over unders and and much much more. We just got to th- talking about spreads and whether teams are going to cover or not. You can go to FanDuel and place a bet, and all you to do is place a, a five dollar money line bet, and you're going to get 150 bucks if you're a new customer. So head to FanDuel.com/slash/locked on. That's FanDuel.com/slash/locked on and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel because it is the number one sports in the bar- sports book in America. Well,
0: guys, it's about that time because it is week 13. So we are coming into the final stretch of the NFL season. And that's when we got to start talking about the hot seat. Got a couple coaches that I want to throw out there to you, Jarvis. And I'm going to throw a couple coaches out there to you, Kyle, as well. And you guys give me your thoughts on whether or not these coaches will make it through the rest of the season and then get the ax. Will they be back next season potentially? Or do they even make it past this Sunday? We're going to start with a guy that we talked about earlier in the show and that's Robert Sala Jarvis does he make it through the week through the season does he make it back into New York next season
2: I think he makes it back into New York next season because like like the way this team has been constructed you know by Joe Douglas you know the general manager of this team hey they went all in on Aaron Rodgers because they got the young. T- you got the young talent on the offensive side of the football. You know the, the offensive line is still a work in progress, but defensive side you got you had Garrett Wilson and then you had Sauce Garden on the other side. Those guys were rookie uh, uh, of the years, respectively, on that side of on um, football. So there's talent there. Um, there is some a little bit of hope there, you know, Um, as far as from a, and I don't look at uh, Robert Saylor as being incapable of being a head coach. I feel like he's a good leader. I feel like those guys believe in him. I, I, there haven't been any reports as far as him losing the locker room. So, yeah, I definitely think he should keep his job. Yeah,
0: And another guy kind of switching coast, if you will. I don't really know, Kyle, if you can lay everything at the feet of Brandon Staley, because. I feel like the Los Angeles Chargers as a franchise. Yes, (laughs) you (laughs) can.
2: Sorry, um, Miami in a row. My fault. Sorry.
0: Good. Okay. You know what? <laughs> Tell me why. Tell me why everything should be laid at the foot of Brandon Staley. Because you know what I was going to say, Jarvis? To me, the Los Angeles Chargers just seem like a franchise that stay in the can't get right category. That's mm-hmm. the only reason I say that that way, because they're always the team where they're in the conversation about possibly getting into the postseason. And they always seem to be the team that they stay in games if they don't actually win games against teams they shouldn't win games against. And then it's a head scratcher. Scratcher everywhere else. And to me, that reputation of theirs preceded Brandon Staley. But like you said, maybe we lay it at his feet and maybe it's bye bye to him and he won't be uh, going up and down the beaches of L.A. next year.
2: Yeah, Uh, I think it's time. I think it's time for Brandon Saley to go up when you have when you're going at reporters and about telling, demanding that they don't ask you certain questions as if they're on a professional too and, and they're doing a, a job.
1: Happened,
2: right? mm, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, come on. Like, like th- that is so like unprofessional. And yeah. it just really speaks to where you are mentally uh, yeah. as the head coach of this team. We could tell you're flailing. We tell you're getting defensive. You don't, you don't have an answer. And and when you get to the point where you don't have an answer, and and your defense has been awful, and you're a defensive coordinator, like we experienced this down here in Atlanta with with Dan, some of his defenses that they had, you know, obviously some reasons for that. But overall, you're going, you're responsible for that. You are responsible for the the reason why you got that job. Like you were looked at as one of those next up coming coordinators, you got the head coaching gig. Because of that. And then when you come to take over as a head coach and your defense is not good, and you arguing back and forth with reporters about whether or not you're going to give up play calling, it's not a good look. And I think that, you know, the Spanos family, they probably really don't care about good looks because, like you mentioned, they've been kind of like this the last stock of the league. Like, okay, yeah, can't get right. You know, you're laughing at right. them. But but yeah, I don't see him surviving this and you know and, and it's just gonna be a matter of Are they going to be able to hire the right guy? And that's the question question. that more than likely is going to be. No.
0: Yeah. Now, when when we go back to the East coast, Casey, you look at whether or not Riverboat Ron will be sent sailing out of the DMV, whether that's this week, this season, or if he's just not going to return next season, where do you think, the commander stand on his status.
1: I think Ron probably finishes out the season, but the the number one thing there is the Josh Harris ownership group has just come in this season and they're evaluating everything. And yeah, I don't think there's a lot to like from an evaluation standpoint. And and it's it's hard to blame some of what's in place there just because the Snyder ownership was as disastrous as it was. But you no, know, Ron Rivera for as long as he's been tenured in the leagues, never had back to back winning seasons and. I, I, with a, they were 500 last year. So they technically didn't have a winning season last year, but there are eight losses, right? Like you're on the doorstep of another losing season. And you'd like to think with an ownership group that's coming in, uh, had this year to evaluate everything, then they're going to start to to kind of shift some gears and say, okay, let's get this thing headed in the right direction. I just don't think Ron is going to be a part of that puzzle for them. So I, I think he'll probably finish out the year as the, the person who's taken over the play calling duties defensively.
0: Uh, Mm -hmm. and a
1: long-tenured NFL coach, but I do not see him back with that team again next season.
0: Yeah, and ultimately, when you decide to part ways with Montez, what I think Chase Young was a slight bit more understandable, but when you start going down that path, it almost feels like you're just going to go into full-blown rebuild. And, Casey, I'll wrap up with this one because this is a tough one just because of all of the success that we've seen come out of New England for the last couple of decades, but real talk, you cannot Overlook what's going on in New England today. Where does Bill is has the road ended for Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft?
1: When Robert Kraft writes the letter to the season ticket holders and promises a better product than last year, and this is the product that you get, I have a really hard time picturing that they're going to continue moving in this direction. And Bill Belichick's uh, quest for the all time wins record. Uh, will have to probably continue somewhere else. And it sounds like there will be some suitors for him, but it's it, this mess is completely bills with, you know, Tom leaves all the personnel decisions. He runs player personnel. Uh, he does the coaching. Like it, it, It's all at Bill's feet. And this team has regressed for effectively three consecutive seasons. Now, uh, I, I don't see that being a sustainable uh, relationship any further either.
0: Yeah, you're right. And for all the good that he's done, the three seasons, the last three seasons are what they are. But, yeah, I don't doubt that if his time in New England has wrapped, that there will be another team knocking at his door come next season. Listen, we appreciate you guys for stopping by NFL Kickoff Live, as always. It's going to be a great weekend of NFL football. Come back next week and we'll be ready to talk about another great week. Have a wonderful weekend.